Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you, as always, by Live Casino, and let's dig in. You know what time it is? It's time for football, and time to jump into the action at FanDuel Sportsbook and lounge at Live Casino. Bet on your favorite teams at our self-service kiosk, and sit back and watch the players duke it out on the field on our massive 40-foot video wall. Bet, watch, and win at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh, I owe you guys a slight apology, too. Yesterday's podcast, I mentioned that if Coach Flores leaves the Steelers this year for a head coaching gig, it would yield draft picks. It doesn't. I, I didn't know the rule exactly. You have to be with the team two seasons. He's only been here one in order to get compensation if he were to leave. So if he takes a job elsewhere, Steelers aren't getting anything for it. But maybe he comes back. Who knows? Um, So as is the case last Wednesday, my article hit, as I do every Wednesday. Last Wednesday, I talked about in the article my offseason offensive plan. This week is defense, as promised, and it's much different. So we discussed it. I'm going to talk about it, you know, kind of how the article went. Please go read it. So, as is the case with offense, I started the article by saying, these are the current Steelers that are set to hit free agency. And I went ahead and kind of ranked them in order of importance, but it's not an easy ranking. I mean, to me, it goes most important, Cam Sutton. Then I wasn't sure who to go with it to, but I went with Ogan Joby. Then Edmonds, KZ, then there's a gap, Spillane. Wormley, Malik Reed, Devin Bush, Tyson Alualu, Marcus Allen, Carl Joseph. Those are the names to know that no longer have a contract. Contracts have expired. So James Pierre is also a restricted free agent. And I'm going to go break these down by position, how I'm attacking things. He's important. Uh, be restricted free agents are nine out of 10 times very easy to bring back. And he's not a big enough name that someone's going to come swipe him off you probably. But he's very important to me because if Pierre, I think Pierre can start, then you can live with it. That's not what you want. But if he's your fourth corner, now you're talking. And frankly, I think he has value and I think he's an ascending player. And oh, by the way, he's one of the best special teamers on the on the team. So Pierre should not be overlooked in this equation. Jameer Jones can kind of be overlooked because he's an exclusive rights free agent, but I thought he was a find. You know, he, to me, is a fine fourth outside linebacker edge guy, and he also is a core special teamer. So I'm sure he'll be brought back. He'll be at camp with the inside track to make the team in that exact same role. So let's start with the big people, you know, the, the true D linemen. Cam Hayward, of course, is coming back, and he's phenomenal, but he's going to turn 34 here in a couple months in May. Um, is he going to continue to be a high-level player, a heavy snap count player? He played over 800 snaps again. I'm sure he will. You know, I mean, I don't think Cam's going to be like, hey, coach, I only can play 400 snaps. It just doesn't seem like the way he's built. But you better build some contingency plans into this, too. You know, you need to find a successor. You need to find a complement. You need to find youth. So counting on a 34-year-old that's put it the wear and tear that he has, of course, you're thrilled to have him, but you can't just put all your eggs in that basket. The Marvin Leal, of course, returns as well. You would think he 
gets a bigger role. I mean, I just mentioned Cam played over 800 snaps. Liao only played 175. And there were some injuries there. Um, they're making him a Cam Hayward type player. They're not going to move him all over the line of scrimmage, have him stand up, do those edge things. I think they want to continue to put good weight on him and line him up basically as a 3-4 D-end slash D-tackle in a four-man front, which is more often than not. I think he has a bright future, but I don't know for sure that, boy, they got a home run in Leal, you know, but he's going to be very much in the mix, preferably in a, probably in an expanded role. Um, Montrevis Adams is also going to return. He has one more uh, year left on a two-year deal. He's more the traditional eat-up space nose, and I think he's fine. And ideally, Adams will be like your fifth or sixth D lineman and would play a lot against the Ravens, play eight snaps a game against other teams, you know, those type of deal. And I would love, I mean, this is pie in the sky, Demarcus Lawrence, Vita Vea, you know, the modern day athletic nose that also has a lot of size to be ahead of him, you know, that can push the pocket, demands double teams, can run. Those guys don't grow on trees. I mean, Lawrence is one of the best D linemen in the league. Vea is not far off. So I'm not saying you're going to get that level of player, but the Bud Light version of those would be very attractive to me. Probably would have to get that guy in the draft, though. Isaiah Loudermilk also returns from the D-line. Not sure what to think of him. He played very little this year. I thought he'd play more. In a way, he was blocked because he got injured in camp, and then he kind of fell behind Liao, and there weren't a lot of injuries in front of him to get him a hat on game day. He's not a special teams contributor. But before you know it, he comes to camp in year three, and it's kind of put up or shut up time for him. You know, I mean, he needs to make a step forward, make this team and in a bigger role than he was. So that basically leaves two or three spots. And I would consider bringing warmly back. You know exactly what he is. He's a four, you know, two years ago, he got thrown into a two. That's a problem, obviously, but he is what he is. He makes this, he lessens the need Makes you less likely to reach on draft day. You know, I mean, you're not as anxious if you can't bring back Ogan Joby. You know, I mean, so there's value in that. That's a very Kevin Colbert-like move is bring this guy back. I know I can play with him today. If I can go past him with draft or free agency, great. I also don't know what exactly the status of his injury was. He got injured late in the year. So who's to say? Um, I've told you guys many times, Alu Alu looks done to me. You know, I, I think he's out of the equation, retires, great career, by you know, under that. I don't know what to do with Ogunjobi. He wasn't super productive, wasn't a bad player. If he thinks he's going to get a contract like he signed with the Bears, you know, right when free agency opened, then adios. We can just use that money elsewhere. Sorry, we like you, bye. But he got $10 million this year from the Steelers, too. Was he worth it? I guess. Um, but that was what he thinks I assume was a discounted rate because of his injury. He's another one that has been injured when they signed him and for much of the year. I mean, every Wednesday, Ogunjobi's on the, uh, injury report with a toe. So if they bring him back, that tells me, that tells you that this guy battled through injuries more than we know, you know, because never practiced on Wednesday. It didn't look as explosive as he did with other teams in the division attacking upfield. I really liked signing when they made it. 
I'm not sure they got the full version of them, but that's kind of the, the insight I can bring you. I mean, when you've been with a team and you get in those meetings with the coaches and trainers and doctors, they say, man, this guy probably shouldn't be out there. He's battling it out, you know, so they know better. And if they bring him back, it makes me think that they think the injuries were his impediment. If you don't bring him back, though, you're really too Hayward reliant. You know, I mean, you'd better bring in a quality defensive tackle from outside the organization. And I'm not going to tell you guys names, Javon Hargrave, but you know, some of these dudes are going to be really expensive, though. You know, I'm going to do other podcasts where I just give you free agent names that I would look at outside the organization. But there are some, but that's going to be pricier than Ogan Joby or a step down from Ogan Joby. Do you want to do either? This draft does not set up great to take one at 17, from what I've seen. Second day is a different story. You could piece that together with an upside early round two pick. And Ogunjobi, and Warmly, two of the three. You know what I mean? So D-line to me is probably the foggiest for me. I can see easier paths to creating this blueprint D-line's the one that's the hardest stretch for me. Let's talk about the edge guys. You know, Watt is Watt. He's tremendous, but he misses time. Um, I think you have to be better at the third outside linebacker spot. High Smith, to me, is out of the woods, is a quality player. He's somebody you need to extend either now or what they like to do is do it in camp when everyone's dragging and it's a 100 degrees and Deontay Johnson gets his contract, Watt gets his contract. Maybe that's the Highsmith move this year and just know all along that's in the cards. Keep him, you know, warm on that regard. I don't know. I wouldn't say Reed was a disaster or certainly wasn't a success. Played almost 400 snaps, partially because, you know, you didn't plan on him playing that much. You didn't know Watt was going to get hurt to be a year. And he was fine. And he would not be a priority, as mentioned before. But if he's looming out there a month into free agency, a couple weeks into free agency, and you give them a team-friendly deal, play them less snaps, I see it. Jones, to me, is probably the four, as mentioned. But I also think you're going to have a lot of money tied in to Highsmith if you extend him, and, of course, Watt, who you can also restructure, but he's still very expensive. Can you afford a Melvin Ingram-like signing? I loved that when it happened. The Ingram personality thing got in the way. But usually there's... Jerry Hughes or, you know, whatever. There, there's a, always older pass rushers that just want to rush the passer and play 50% of what they used to that know how to succeed in this league. That would be an upgrade over Reed. If if and when Watt is out, you can survive it easier. I also think there will be a case to be made. Maybe you then use a third-round pick on this position. You know, like something along those lines. The next Highsmith, somebody to develop, somebody with the ceiling. You've had some success developing those guys over the years instead of Reed or maybe even in addition to Reed. So that position, really just looking for that third guy. Um, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll come back with the rest of the deep. All right, 
off the ball linebacker. You guys call them inside linebackers. To me, they're just linebackers. To me, if you're giving out position grades, this was the lowest grade of any position on the on the team this year. No splash, no splash, no sacks, no fumble recoveries, none of that stuff. Now, Jack to me is a lot like Ogan Joby. Injuries are a problem, probably, and they have been. But it wasn't his knee that has been a kind of a chronic. Chronic's a rough word, but it's you know an ongoing thing. At the end of the year, it was groin. You know, was that just a could happen to any one type of thing? Unrelated, probably. But he's kind of expensive in the second year of the contract. You can move on from him and free up that space. I like the signing when it happened. Um, I think maybe the move is you sit down with him and say, you're not worth what this year two of the contract is. If you want to renegotiate, we'll give you three quarters of that or two thirds of that on a one-year deal or we'll release you. Maybe. Um, I do think... Bush is gone. Now, the end of the season really indicated that to me, that he hardly played at all the last couple of weeks. I think you guys know my thoughts on Spillane at this point. But if you bring him back with the intentions of he's your third guy, fine. If you think, boy, we found a pretty good player here, I don't see it. I mean, I'd love Spillane to – I don't even I don't care if he comes back, to be honest with you. But if he's the three, Mark Robinson's the four with upside to go quickly past Spillane – that makes sense to me. Robinson will be in the mix. These other guys are not assured to be in the mix. I don't think Bush will. Spillane's a free agent. Jack could easily become a free agent. So we'll probably do a whole podcast on this. But I've got about eight to 10 off-the-ball linebackers across the league that are very attractive to me, that are clear upgrades on what they've played with lately. This is the position to me most likely to go outside the organization, spend money on a starter that's a three-down guy that you go pay market value for, which, you know, is not always good business, but I think that's what you do at off-the-ball linebacker. Um, safety's interesting to me. As mentioned, Edmonds and KZ are up. I love this trio. I really do. You know, Norwood will be back. Okay. Killebrew also returns, although you can make a couple bucks by cutting him. Um, Norwood to me is not guaranteed anything. Killebrew is a really good special teamer, but I think having KZ and Edmonds allows Fitzpatrick to be even better than without them. You know, I mean, leading the league in interceptions is a result of sometimes of KZ being your deep middle. So whether it's Edmonds, KZ, third round picks, guys outside the organization, I think you need a strong and I think you need a free, and I think you're going to continue to play a lot of big nickel, three safety sets. I would love it to be Edmonds and KZ though, but kind of like the outside linebacker conversation, all of a sudden you got a lot of money tied up in that safety room. Now, I don't know what Edmonds is going to make. It's going to be more than last year. I don't know what KZ is going to make, probably slightly more than last year as well, but they're not a gazillion dollars. I mean, part of me also would like to separate, you know, things a little bit and have one of those two back and a third round pick, you know, so you're not all the same age, you know, and everybody gets old together, but it's working and I'd like to run it back. I don't know how feasible that is. In the end, I bet you end up with one of the two. And I guess I prefer Edmonds, but strong safeties are a lot easier to find than freeze. Cornerbacks also very tricky. Um, I mentioned Pierre. He comes back and I, that stability is important. So, 
Levi, Weather, Witherspoon, and William Jackson are all under contract. Wallace and Witherspoon signed the exact same deal, and the Steelers can get out of that very easy. You can cut either one of them, no dead money, buy, no problem. Same is true with William Jackson. He has another year, year on his deal, but it's like a $12 million cap hit. So clearly of those three, Wallace comes back. You, 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 you pay him, you're happy about it. That gives you Wallace and Pierre. I think you tell Witherspoon and Jackson, sorry, but we're going to use that money elsewhere. We could talk outside that contract, especially Jackson. I mean, I, I think there's something there in Jackson, but I'm not giving you $12 million for somebody I've never really got my hands on. Um, Witherspoon only played 248 snaps this year. And I don't say he stinks or he's a bust, but he also isn't super expensive. You could bring him back at the same Wallace price and just have a lot of them and see how it goes. Arthur Millette will be back, which is is less important to me than Pierre, but he's a tough guy that you know. He's a good special teamer, pure slot. So it brings us to Sutton. Now, I've been told, I think he's publicly said this, but most free agents do, that he's very, he, that he wants to come back. I believe that to be true. Enough people have told me that this is what he considers home. He was groomed here. He wants to you know remain a Steeler. He sure seems like the type of guy Steelers, you know, extend because he gets better every step of the way. He's got a lot of leadership skills, smart, versatile. So if he can be your slot on when three corners are out there and when there's two, he can be your outside guy, which he's proven that's exactly who he is. That has great value. But if he gets on the open market, he's going to make a lot, you know, probably more than the Steelers are willing to spend. Now, last nugget here, and we'll talk a lot more draft going forward. Even if you keep all these dudes, I'm also considering a corner in round one or round two. A, a guy with size, a guy that has press man traits. And I say that because, first of all, the shopping for corners is bad business. That's an... Tackles and corners are the aisle in the, the supermarket you want to stay away from. You, you rarely get your value and everything's expensive. It's walking, you're walking down Rodeo Drive. Um, and that's good for Sutton, bad for teams trying to get one. So it's a high value position. And the first round of this draft, the sweet spot looks to be right in the middle of the first round where the Steelers are picking. There's no Jalen Ramsey, Sauce Gardner that's going to go top five. But there's five or six that'll be in the mix in that neighborhood. And it also looks like there's 10 or so in the top 50 for day two that would fit the mold. So I think you pounce on that while you can. Um, and you hope that guy's your one, Sutton's your two, Levi's your three, Pierre's your four in some sort of order. Maybe a Millette or a Witherspoon or a Jackson or somebody like that in the mix as well. Now you're, now you're cooking. I mean, that's a cornerback room something this team hasn't had in quite a while so that's my plan go read the article thank you guys for the comments very kind as always and we will talk tomorrow